Father in heaven, we give you all the praise because of the authority of your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. Thank you because of the position you have given to us in your son, Jesus. Thank you for the ability to stand before your presence. Thank you for justification by faith. Thank you because of authority over the works of darkness and for freedom over the works of darkness. We give you all the praise. For that which you are showing us about our nature, about your nature, about the authority you bequeathed upon us on our, and how you want us to live victoriously on the world, we want to say thank you. Father, this is another time before your presence. Lord, we pray you speak to us in the name of Jesus. Let issues in our personal lives be dealt with. Show us your intention for our lives and give us the grace to be able to walk according to your counsel for our lives in the name of Jesus. We will not miss our target. We will not miss your intention for our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Alright, I trust God to give us the grace to actually complete our studies on the God Challenge. And so far we have been able to discuss from different perspectives as we consider the subject, the God Challenge. And like I told you when I speak of the God Challenge, I speak of two things primarily. Number one, that it is your right to demand of God signs in your life because he created you to work in the in the miraculous so the miraculous or what we call the supernatural is your heritage it is your heritage it is what god had gifted you and it's your right every now and then in your life to demand that god himself will show up in your life and the truth of the matter is that once you demand for it he will show forth hallelujah now do not forget Acts chapter 4 the scripture says when the religious leader of course, the sign read the Pharisees, you know, and the and the priests of those days when they invited Peter and you know and John after they healed the man at the beautiful gate, they threatened them, they flogged them, and they bade them not to preach again in the name of Jesus. What did they do? The scripture says that they went back to their company, they relayed what threats had been uttered to them. Then the scriptures that they the scripture told us that they gathered together, they prayed that God by his own arm will demonstrate his power in such a way they have not seen before. And the scripture says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And with power do they witness the resurrection of Christ. So it is our demand as believers, like the apostles did, to demand the outstretched arm of God in our lives. As the first that was the first thing I tried to do. And the second thing I tried to do is to let you know that God himself in dealing with you wants to give you an assurance that he is holy, he is different, he is excellence, he is super. You know, and that there is no, no one or nothing comparable to him. Hallelujah. So these are the things we have been able to see. And by the grace of God, I have been able to speak on four subjects. Basically explaining this through and through the first thought i spoke on was god's unusual heart and from there i showed you how that the scripture told us in acts chapter 19 that god wrote real unusual miracles from the ends of all such that apron and handkerchief were taken from his body and those who are possessed were healed as a result i told you when god wants to walk he walks through men men are his tools men are his means but it's quite unfortunate that men has not made God his means. Rather, main devices means other than God. The reason why God cannot walk through him. 
Rather said, I've got we walk through man, he walked through man by man's prayers. One way man can position himself before God is to position himself by prayer, is to position himself by preparing for what he believes God is doing his days, and three is to position himself by prayers. So God had chosen to work in any generation without a man. If God will do something somewhere, sometime for a particular purpose, he needs men. Men must be positioned. So men are God's tools, men are God's means, men are God's method, men are God's agents. He works, he works through them. God works on usual miracle by the hands of Paul. It was God that was working, but he needs an instrumental like Paul. And here also, as we begin to look at Isaiah chapter 41 verse 17 to 20, when God says, look, I'm going to do the unusual. I'm going to do the impossible. I will plant trees in the desert. I will give you flood of water in the desert. And God said, I'm going to send help to you. And I'm going to cause you to be relieved. I'm going to deliver you from pains. And I'm going to change your life and turn it around for your good. And God said in Isaiah chapter 45, he said, look, I am speaking about my servant Cyrus, whom I have chosen to accomplish this. In other words, no matter how great, no matter how enormous, the promises of God are, he will walk them through by men. And there are two aspects to that. Number one, God using men to help you and to making you tools to which, through which and by which he accomplishes what he intends to do with others. Hallelujah. So God greatly needs men. A way with the false theology that says that God does not need you. You are the one that needs him. It's a lie. He needs us and we need him. The more reason why he created us. Hallelujah. So we've been looking at God's challenge and I was speaking on different subjects. First, I've, I I opened with um, speaking on God's unusual heart. Then I move on to how to switch modes. And when I was speaking about how to switch modes, I said in particular that three things are very important. One, that you have the right to participate in what God is doing in your time. Two, I said you can change every undesirable reality. Three, I said you do not have any right to complain of whatever um, unpalatable situation, whatever odds, whatever circumstance you are going through that is unfriendly because you have the power to change them. You are the architect of your life. Like your father, you have been gifted the creative order to recreate your world. Hallelujah. So you have the authority to recreate. That was what I shared with you basically. From um, how to switch mode. And I showed you 10 attributes of God. How that God is truth and real. How that God is not a, a trickster. How that God is instant. And how that he cannot change. How that he's ready to help you anytime. How that the supernatural is for us today. Hallelujah. I read from you from you. I read for you rather from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. Apostle Paul says that the, the greatness, the exceeding greatness of the power of God is towards us that believe according to the mighty power which you wrote in Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Apostle Paul says that to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we think of acts. So everything we need has been given to us. The power of God, the love of God, everything has been given to us. So we cannot be oppressed. Bless God, the scriptures that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. So he gave us his status. His status and he gave us his stature. Hallelujah. You know, he bequeathed upon us his kingdom, his authority. Glory be to God. That makes us rule. Then after that, I spoke about God's matchless act. 
and there i showed you the testimony of moses and anna respectively about the acts of god and about why he does what he does hallelujah so your father is matchless by all standards and your life should not be anything other than what the father had been that had been the emphasis then lastly on this subject i spoke about why god does what he does and emphatically i really spoke on the purpose of the miraculous and i said as much as it is good for you to demand or to place an order or to request for a sign especially when you need it in your life and times will be when you will need it but whatever god does with you at a particular time you have got to understand that everything has his shade or is influenced by his dealings with you by his dealings with you ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 tells us that it is it's the light of father to make known to us the mystery of his will according to the pleasure of his purpose but this purpose he worked it out according to the counsel of his will so there's what we call the counsel of god's will sometimes the possible we call it the foreknowledge of god sometimes he calls it the predetermined end of god the predetermined or preconceived uh, initiatives of god which led to the creation you know and finally i showed you um, a scripture in um, Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 32 to 39 where I contrast the lives of the fathers of it who had gone ahead of us. We saw two, two categories of them. The category of those who by their work with God had positive results. Those sons by their faith showed the amount of lions, the subdued kingdom, the wrought of righteousness, they were made strong, they have their dead raised back to life. And on the other hand, we saw a group of people that despite their faith, they suffer more more Chris, they they you know the world was in no way better for them they traveled in dens uh, and caves they were son and son that they suffered and the world was in no way good for them and the scriptures that all of them died in faith having obtained a good report not receiving the promises in other words as much as the supernatural is important whatever we have as a result at a particular time is governed by god's dealing with us at the time I showed you how that Paul the Apostle had turned in his flesh and he prayed that God will take away the tongues and God said, Look, I will not take it away because my grace is sufficient. And I'm putting this turn on you so that you will not be pompous by the abundance of revelation. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was afterwards hungry. Then the tempter came and tells him to turn the stone to break. What did Christ say? You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. It was not for lack of power he didn't do that, but because he understood that there was an accomplishing tax that was ongoing so whatever you receive at a particular time is governed by god's dealing with you hallelujah so i told you emphatically that one of the things you have got to cultivate you know one of the one of the skill will i call it a skill or one of um the 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 the, the culture you have got to imbibe in your work with god is to learn to the sun his will to the sun what he's doing at the time hallelujah this is how we go about our relationship with God. So this time around, I want to speak to you on what I've titled "The Future Is Bright," and yeah, I'm going to do a number of things. I'm going to do um, a synopsis of Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 41. I'm going to show you the reason why God put up the defense or the arguments or the clarity put up through that scripture because you know God actually from Isaiah chapter 40 to 45 was trying to challenge to His people. First, they have defied Him. 
Isaiah chapter 41 from verse 1. God said, the children I have raised have rebelled against me. And that was the tone of that book all through as it rises to the climax. God began to tell the people, because you have seen, I'm going to bring a stranger from afar from the north. And it's going to, it's going to take you into captivity. I'm going to wipe you half. I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to take revenge of your sins on you. But then I will send help to you nevertheless. Then God began to tell them, of what use is your is your is your is your is your is your, is your, idol, is, is your idol worshiping? It profits you nothing. It has destroyed you more than it has strengthened you. And God said, Look, I am incomparable to your idols. In every way, I am I am super, I am distinct, I'm holy, I'm better than they are. I am the creator, they are not the creator. I am your God, they are not your God. I am your savior, they are not your savior. I can predict your future, they cannot predict your future. I am your protector, they cannot protect you. I will send you help, they cannot help you. Hallelujah. And God said to whom shall you compare me? I am enormous. I am big. I am miraculous. I am matchless. I am omnipotent. I am omniscient. I am omnipresent. I am always with you. I have exclusive ability. And I'm the God and nothing is impossible for me. That was the challenge. So as I continue the study, as I trust God I will run off properly, I am going to do a synopsis of the arguments of God. Hallelujah. In calling these people back to himself. And in expressing his much less, his incomparable, omnipotent dimension. He is God incomparable. Moses says, who is like our God? And I said, there is no rock like him. There is no one beside him. And until you understand how great, how enormous God is, guy, you might compromise. So I want to tell you this morning that the future is bright. That enormous God had promised you a future. In the words of Dr. Matthew Sharia, he says we live in a tough time like this. And the problem in the world gets us bothered. As Christians, we look at future and we have plenty of reasons to be concerned. And what are the reasons? We have inflation, we have poverty, we have unemployment, we have greed, we have corruption, we have racism, we have rampant promiscuity, we have terrorism, we have nuclear threat, we have divorce rates, we have abortion, we have veneration of disease epidemics, we have AIDS, pestilence and general lawlessness. All of this has caused us to be anxious and pessimist. But then, is there hope for the future? Is the future still bad for us? Despite our spiritual and bankrupt, our spiritual and moral bankrupt the world is, how morally eroded the world had been, is there hope for the future? Of course, there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Truth be told, everyone agrees that our nation, indeed our world, is facing a, a crisis. But nobody cares to, to divine its nature. And the reason why many people are depressed, the reason why many people are committing suicide, the reason why people see no hope, no trust in the government of their land, no hope for the future, and the reason why many lives are being wasted. The reason why many lives are dormant. The reason why the potentials of others you know, are now frozen because they could not see any reason for the future. But there's a future force. There's a future force. There's a future force. There's a future force. There is hope for us. 
we have hopes we have hopes the scripture says in peter's first peter's of god chapter one verse three the scripture that we have begotten into a new hope actually kjf said into a lively hope into a living hope by the resurrection of jesus so the fact that christ rose from the dead is an assurance hallelujah in acts chapter 17 verse 31 apostle posted that by the resurrection of jesus god had given us an assurance so you have hopes you have hopes and the truth of the matter is that the system of the world cannot give us lasting hope our hope is anchored on the works of christ in the words of dr matthew sharia he said as citizen of the world we have despised god's authority we have violated his covenant and broken his divine laws thus greatly endangering our position with god and placing ourselves in a position worthy only of divine punishment by ignoring god's law we have forfeited his blessings upon our upon our, upon ourselves our children and have placed the future generation at a great risk the reason why many people are, dis- are, are depressed the world is under a great risk spiritual commitment have been abandoned and forgotten and we have apparently adopted a dog eat dog philosophy since we seems to be going nowhere in our spiritual work it matters little what we seek to get the reason why we are depressed the reason why we are depressed but i tell you there is future there's future there's future meanwhile if we are to experience peace and tranquility within our lives within uh, amongst ourselves and in our world we must become followers of god we must become followers of god we will become followers of god apostle paul in acts chapter in ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says dearly beloved children be followers of god how can we be a follower of god that is a spirit christ said in magic in in john chapter 4 that god is a spirit to know that was to be the follower of god means you have come to a vantage where we know the father when we see him in that vantage he lives in our spirit and the goal of him living our spirit is to live through our spirit hallelujah so we must become followers of god who is the very essence of hope who is the very essence of life who is the very essence of peace that the world is devoided of and the truth is that the person who seeks god's divine direction can never be disheartened the person who seeks the direction and the control the i mean to say the authority of god over his life can never be frustrated can never be confused as to what the future holds because he knows him that holds the future the person who seeks god's divine direction can never never be frustrated can never never be hopeless because his life is under supreme leadership of god and he knows that the that his future is bright as the morning star he believes that the best is yet to come because he trusts in god so the basis of our hope for the future is rooted in who the father is hallelujah we have a new hope in christ and the truth must be said in a world of confusion and chaos prayers of god's faithful minority will be heard and answered and this is how the glimpse of hope comes when we realize that jehovah is the is the sovereign ruler of the universe the torment of the world will not rob us of our peace of our joy of our hope when god is supreme over all things what can we be afraid for and what can we be afraid of 
what can we be afraid for and what are we going to be afraid of the future is bright so this very hour i want to show you reasons why you may be thankful and hopeful i want to show you reason why you can keep going on in life and the truth is that you may have nothing at hand right now but you can be sure that the future is bright it's bright and promising you may have nothing at hand right now your bank account may be zero finances may not be friendly with you all may not be going well but the future is bright nonetheless the future is bright the future is bright yes it may be true that you know that you are not where you really want to be but you equally know that you are not where you used to be and that is what thankful for that is what hopeful for you have moved your life is on motion your life is on a progressive motion so what are the reasons why you need to be thankful and hopeful number one the future is bright the future is bright if there is life there is hope if you have life and good health then there is hope for you if there is hope then there is life first peter chapter 1 verse 3 says that he has begotten us again from above into a new hope, into a lively hope, into a living hope. Out by the resurrection of a son. So you can be thankful because you are still alive. Hallelujah. You are breaking your nostrils. That is the games of hope. Number two, you can thank God for motion. You can thank God for your progressive motion. At least you are moving all together. You are moving all together. You are not stagnant. Your motion is a proof that something is awaiting in future. It does not matter what your pace is. You are moving. And the adage has it that slow and steady wins the race. Number three, you can thank God for being alive. Thank God for being alive. Thank God for sound mind. Thank God for consciousness. Thank God for peace of mind. Thank God, most importantly, for health. For good health, of course. And the truth remains that no matter the amount of money you've, you have in bank or you've kept in the bank, not any of these billions you have in the bank can purchase all this for you. How much can get you health? How much can get you breath in your nostrils? How much does it cost to get a kidney? So if you have good health and you have something you are presently working at and when you look at your life really you will see that you have moved. This is not where you used to be. Last year your, 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 your crave, your body could be that well you need an escape from a particular problem or you know if you look at it the problem you battled last year is not the same thing you battled this year. Maybe your challenge this year is that you don't have enough. I tell you to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you think of has because his power is active in you. So the one that is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you think of has is your father. So you can lose hope. 
So based on these multiple reasons, I will briefly show you why you can be hopeful. Why you can be hopeful and thankful. So why you sign? Why do you think you are tired of life? Because you do not have results? Because of the pains you are going through? Because you don't have any savings? Because it seems, it seems your, your life is, is stagnated? Because all your aspirations have not yet come through? Because things are not working out the way you want them to work? Because your children are becoming erring, are becoming delinquent, are becoming, you know, you know, you know, immoral? Oh, because of, 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 of the threat of divorce? Oh, because of lack of finances. What is that thing that makes you feel that life is not worth living? And because of that, you want to compromise your future. I tell you this. Anyone can be hopeless except you because you have a future. And that future is what God had given to you. It's a predetermined conclusion. It was foreseen before you arrive here. And if there's anything the enemy, and I want to say the devil target is to make you look away from that which had been planned ahead of you. But we encourage to disappoint him. May I tell you this truth? Your present realities may not look like the future you dreamt about. May not look like your dreamt life. But that does not mean that the future you have dreamt about is not there. In fact, I will tell you, that future is there, although you cannot see it. It is brighter, it is bigger, it is better and promising than anything you have experienced. Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, it says that we are saved by hope. Hope that the sin is not hope. And says that the thing that we do not see, we hope for it patiently. We hope for it patiently in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 11 or 17 or 9. I'm not going there. The scripture says that if only in this world we have hope, we are the most miserable. In other words, there is hope for us in this life. And what does the scripture mean when it says, if only we have hope in this world? Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, in Christ we have the promise of life that now is. And that which is to come. Bodily exercise profitably too. But righteousness is profitable to all things. So the greatest advantage you have is a work with God. And I tell you, if you have a work with God, you have a future. You have got to know that you have a future. And how do you need to see it? You have got to be focused. You have got to see into God's blueprint for your life. You have got to concentrate on God without any distraction. Somebody said, I quote, The concentration of the heart enables a man to look beyond the realities of the incred incredulous world. And to see the blazing light of Christ shines with bright colors. The praying man is an extremely optimistic man. And he knows that his tears will be transformed into a river of joy. In other words, if the devil can stop you from praying, it can make you live in depression. And that's what happens. When prayer stops, depression sets in. And when depression sets in, a man cannot see what God has in store for him. So, your constructive action in that seemingly hopeless, in that seemingly dreadful, in that seemingly dark circumstance or situation in your life is prayer. Prayer is a constructive action which you must use to dispel 
every shade of darkness and blackness of depression of sorrow of hopelessness and compromise over your life if you are to move forward as god's people as a nation as a world and as an individual you must need to focus on god and you must need to intensify prayers you must need to fill up the hollow in your heart with the presence of god it is when one is filled with the presence of christ it becomes an ambassador for peace in the world it's when one becomes filled with the presence of god that he has hope for the future it's when he becomes filled with the presence of christ he knows that there is hope for him hope for him if only in this world we have hope we have all men most wisdom so there is hope for us there is hope for us hallelujah your life is in motion your future is bright it's big it's better it's promising there is hope for a bright future there is hope for a bright future there is an assurance for that hope in the exhortation of jesus in other words you have to understand the fact that our future is real meanwhile our future is one thing the present reality however odd unfriendly or unfavorable there is another however unfavorable they are they are they are not the reality our future is set to with god and in god nothing can change it except to compromise so never you allow your present reality deceive you or rob you a brighter future look at moses the scripture said that he forsook all the glories of his egypt he, he chose to suffer the reproach of the people of god because he saw him that is invincible so you must develop the capacity to see in the to see into the invisible realms of the father hallelujah so understand this our future is one thing the present reality is another you will not look like the future you desire but i tell you the future is bright nonetheless your surrounding circumstances may appear contrary to what god has revealed about you in the world or what he reveals will be your end but i also do assure you the fact that when god speaks or reviews a thing he speaks and reviews it because he has completed it and he speaks and reveals that which he intends to do because he always speaks with the capacity of performance unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you think or ask because his power is working in you so crush and crash out that doubt in your heart crash out that doubt in your heart crash out and crush out that doubt in your soul and rest your soul fully upon the hope like apostle peter said upon the hope that have been given to you that have been promised to you hallelujah so you have known god for nothing faithful is he that has promised the scripture says you also perform it there's nothing you put in his hands that can fail 
There's nothing you put in his hand that can fail. So see your future. See it. Believe it. Align for it. Position yourself for it. Train for it. Prepare for it. Pray for it. Plan for it. And position for it. Anticipate it. Work for it. Confess it. Even the face of opposition. And rejoice in God for it. Because it will come. Rejoice for it because it is yours. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 4, Apostle Paul told us that Abraham was against hope. But he believed in hope. He was fully persuaded of God's promises and God's faithfulness. God's ability to keep his words. The reason why you are downcast is because you have lost that sense of God's faithfulness. God's incredibility. There's none of the word of God that fails. All we come to pass. Abraham was against hope. He believed in hope. And of course he was against hope. He was already 99. And he had been working with God for 25 years. And the promise kept ticking. You will be a father of many nations. But when you look at his life, his life was empty of that reality. So Abraham was against hope. But he was fully persuaded of God's faithfulness. Of God's ability to perform his word. So he rejoiced giving glory to God. For the reality he has not yet seen. He has not yet, he has not yet touched. He has not yet experienced. He has not yet entered into what a faith. What a faith. What a faith. Romans chapter 4. From verse 16. To 25. Romans chapter 4. Let's start here. Let's see, let's see Abraham's attitude. Let's see how Abraham responded to the promises of God. Despite the fact that there was nothing in his life that were indicative of what God had promised him. Hallelujah. So there are times we look into our life and it is the void of the truth that is revealed about us in God. But as we become persuaded and we keep on following that which has been expressed in our life, we find expression. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4 from verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the Lord. But also those who are of faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. As it is written. I have made you father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed. God would give life to the dead. And call those things which do not exist as though they did. Now first take the attributes of God. He had the capacity to call for that which do not exist as though they are. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 4 and 5, he said, Abraham, for a father of many nations have I called you. He was already 99 years. And as at that time, he had not got a child. At least a child of covenant, of promise. So God has the capacity to call the things which were not as though they are. Verse 18 says, Who contrary to hope, he believed in hope, 
so that he may become the father of many nations according to what God had spoken. So shall the Satan be. You know, that was sometimes when God gave us promises. If at all we are going to have it manifested in our life, our posture, our stand, our consistency, our faith, our confession, our attitude towards that which God had promised determine, determines whether we are going to have it. Who contrary to hope, you know, believe, so that he might be the father of many nations. That was necessary. It was a necessary requirement for him to be partaker of what God had said. He had to believe against his logic. Believe against what he knows. Now look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Since he was about an hundred year old, and the deadness of Sarah womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. What a faith. He was not weak in faith. One. He did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Two. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Three. He was strengthened in faith and he was giving glory to God. Five altogether. And being not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God. And through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that he had promised. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised. He was able to perform. That's another attitude. He had the conviction that what God has said he is able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And you know what makes this portion of the scripture interesting to me each time I read through it is the fact that the scripture says that that which Abraham recorded as an experience can be recorded to my account if I have the same faith of Abraham. That's the reason why Apostle Paul make, made reference to Abraham. Look at verse 22. Now it was written. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up jesus from the dead and was delivered all because of our offenses and was raised because he was delivered for our offenses and was raised because of our justification so the resurrection of jesus be becomes the evidence of a bright foot if you believe christ rose from the dead you have hope look at that chapter 17 Acts 17. From verse 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, and now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus is a proof that the future is bright. So from that scripture, we saw that Abraham saw the future. He believes it. He anticipates it. He aligned for it. For by not by not considering the deadness of his own body, the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at God's promise through unbelief, and he was giving glory to God. That was the attitude. And that's the attitude everyone should 
cultivate. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 19, the scripture says that it was by faith when Abraham was called out of the hall of Chadin, he left not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sacrificed Isaac because he judged him that he who called him has the capacity to bring Isaac back to life. If there's any revelation that was crystal clear to Abraham, it was in God's ability. And that's what we are dealing with on this matter. God's ability. Faith in God's ability. In God's omnipotence. Judging that God is able to raise them from the dead. And the scripture says that he has that return. By faith, Sarah was able to conceive. And from him whose body is as dead as stone, generations uncounted came. So you are hopeless because you are allowing the devil to deflate your faith. Your faith life. Look at Genesis chapter 17, 4 and 5. Genesis 17. And I want to show you from the NKJV, the New King James Version, the past things of God's word. When God revealed to Abraham what his plan was against the surrounding situation in his life, God expressed that fact in past tense. He said, for a father of nation have I made you. Your life may not look like it. You might have not seen that reality. You might have not been able to touch that dimension that I've been concluded about your life. But what I've made you is what I'm declaring. And that is why there's nothing you should declare in your life other than what God had revealed concerning your life. Do not allow any compromise of any kind. You may not feel it, may not appear so, but you have it. Genesis chapter 17, verse 4 and 5. Let's take from verse 3. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. It had not happened. God gave him an assurance. And that is why one of the ways you can respond to the pressure around you is to think deep. Think of the goodness of God. Think of how God had rescued you in the in, in, in time past. Think of those times when he came through for you even when you don't have hope. Yes, this man had worked with God for 25 years. God said, look, you will be a father of many nations. Although it seems it's, it's dragging or it's delays. But my covenant is with you. And by design, you shall be. You have not been. Now it's 20 years of a work. But you shall be a father of many nations. Imagine if at this point, Abraham had argued with God and worked out on God. And of course, he had every logical right to do that. This is the 25th year of working with him. And now he was 100. In fact, in chapter 15, he even told God, blank out, that look, Forget this matter of giving me a child. I have concluded in my heart that Eliezer of Damascus will be there. And God said, no. My promise remains intact. It's very unfortunate that many people, it's very unfortunate that many people compromise in life and the, their age of sources.
verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abraham. But your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you. That's what I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing. I have past tense. Of course it is present perfect tense. Which means it is a concluded fact. I have made you a father of many nations. Two statements are here. One, you shall be a father of many nations. Why would he be a father of many nations? Because I have made you a father of many nations. I know that the, 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 the time now, I have been showing you how God is personally involved in your life. Look at that scripture we have been looking at for a time now. Isaiah chapter 41. The same phrase God used for Abraham. I have made you. You shall be. We saw that God used that phrase to the to the children of Abraham. I am the Lord God. I will make way for you. If you do not have an uncle, we do that for you. You don't have connection that will help you access, you know, the, the things you need for life. I will make you. I will make you. So God is a maker. And you have got to set your attention on him. Look at it. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17 to 20. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongue fail for test. I, the Lord, will hear them. Mark that. I, the Lord, God being the present help. God responding to the need of the poor. Responding to the need of the needy. What they seek is not even available. They were not tested because, you know, they actually were not tested. But yet the scripture said that they seek it. They were tested and they needed water. But there was none. And as a result, their tongue fails. Because they could not get water. Then God said, I the Lord will hear them. I the Lord God of Israel will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land spring of water. Now, the emphasis in all of the scriptures is God's personal responsible responsibility. Taking personal responsibility over your life. And the focus is the personal pronoun I. I will be involved. I will not forsake you. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the archaeos tree. God is not saying go and plant it. God said, I will be the one to do it. You don't have the capacity. I will supply the energy you need. That they may see and know and understand all together that the hand of the Lord has done this. And the Holy One of Israel has created it. So God is involved in your life. Abraham's life was obviously contrary to the fruitfulness God promised him. To the abundance, and I want to say, we are raising the next generation is concerned. His life was void of what God had pronounced over him. And that was after 25 years of patiently working with God. But what was his attitude? Despite the opposing results around him, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not consider the deadness 
of his own body or of Sarah's womb. The reason why many of us are not, you know, moving forward in our work with God and we do not have the results we long to have is because we consider too many things. Abraham did not allow logic or medical considerations or the fact of his age or doubt to mess up God's promise for him or to him. He did not consider the deadness so that there were things to consider, but he chose not because he considered him faithful. What promised in Hebrews chapter 11 expresses that he judged him to have the capacity to raise the dead. And yet, in Romans chapter 4, we saw the attribute of God, he caused things that are not as though they are. So, if God has called it, he called it because it is real, because it is there. He's not a trickster, no. It's not a swindler. A swindler. No. It's not a swindler. It's faithful. So Abraham did not allow logic or certain considerations to mess up that which was placed in his future. So what is that thing that's making you feel so, so discouraged? Do not allow it. He did not consider the seemingly obvious prevailing odds the obviously contrary contradictions around his life. He was fully persuaded with an unbending conviction. And he began to demonstrate that by giving glory to God for what he had not seen or touched or handled. What a faith. This is the attitude of a genuine faith. Of a genuine trust and belief in God. The ability to rejoice for that which you have done sin. That's the attitude. And the truth of the matter is that when God is dealing with us, He is placing in our hands things that are beyond us. And whenever God is dealing with us, He involves and consider our posterity. So He ensures that our foundation is solid. And why he is making us or taking us through process oftentimes our own eyes is on the paint. And God deals that way because he's an eternal God. He deals with eternity in mind. He does not deal in the present. He deals for the future. But we are quick. We prefer pleasure to to process. But the truth is that in God's dealing with us, process comes before pleasure. But fortunately for us, we want pleasure and we don't want and we do not want process. Pleasure, no process. Pleasure, no process. And this is the reason why many testimonies, many joy, many success stories or successes Many worlds, many breakthroughs crash in no time because they cannot endure. Why? They have no foundations in God. Or they have weak foundations in God. Be patient. This scripture says that you should follow the examples of those who through faith and patient in everything. The promises. Through faith. You have need of patience after you have done the will of God so that you may inherit the promise. You have done the will, but you are in need of patience. Patience. 
Sivaita virtue. The Muslim Bible. Now, I want to show you Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Actually, I want to show you four scriptures all together. And the first is that Genesis chapter 17, verse 4 to 5. You shall be a father of many nations, for I have made you the father of many nations. His life may not look like it, but that was his destiny. So the fact of life cannot situate what is awaiting. Apostle Paul says that, you know, the present pressure of life cannot be compared to the weight of glory that awaits us. Let's see that scripture. Romans chapter 8 is come to spirit. And I think it is about the second time it came. Romans chapter 8. Something awaiting us, in fact, the magnitude of your adversity is the magnitude of your greatness. The problems and you know, the weight under the pressures and the tensions in your life are to erade what awaits you. So why will you compromise? Hallelujah. From verse 20. But I'm going to jump. Okay. Okay, let's read from verse 23. Not only that, but we also, who are the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved, for we are saved, for we are saved in this hope. But hope that the sin is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with perseverance. We eagerly wait for perseverance. We wait with perseverance. Hallelujah. We wait with perseverance. Look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Of course, it speaks about the reappearing of Christ. About the revelation of Christ. At the close of the age, but we can apply the scripture to mean that the sufferings of now are indications or are indicators of a weight of glory that are waiting for you. So it does not matter what you are going through, the future is bright. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29. And this is the first scripture the Holy Ghost said in my spirit. But I don't know why I did not start with it. But God had made us go by his counsel. Hallelujah. He's the one leading us. Glory be to God. Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 11. This is God speaking. There are times things around us look odd. But in that situation, however hard, however bleak, however critical the ordeal, God's purpose remains intact. Look at what God is saying here. And by the grace of God, I want to get into the context of the scripture. It's a very popular scripture. But many of us do not understand the context from which God spoke. That there are odds, that there are issues, that there are pressures in your life. That your life is not actually the fullest expression of what promises and prophecies that had gone ahead of you. Or what you anticipate does not mean that it's not there. That's the emphasis. 
You said I'm shouting. Yes, it's what to shout for. Many people have compromised because of lack of knowledge of this fact. Look at it. Verse 11. For I know the thought. This is God talking. I know the thought. That think towards you. Say the Lord thought of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now let me show you what that means. Look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord. After 70 years are completed in Babylon. I will visit you and perform good work towards you. And cause you to return to this place. In other words, God said, I know the thought I have towards you. I have a plan for you. But you will not come to pass. You will not enter it. You will be in your wilderness experience for 70 years. And what will happen in these 70 years? Let's read from verse 4. Thus says the Lord of us, the God of Israel, to whom we are carried away captive. You know that what they are going to be taken captive. They will lose their honor. They will lose their dignity. They will lose their property. Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens. Eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and for your daughters. To husband. So that they may be sons and daughters. That you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. They were captives. It was God taking them away into captivity. And it will last for 70 years. But in that simply hopeless situation, God said there is hope. Let's read on. And pray to the Lord for it. For in his peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophet and your diviners who are in the midst deceive in the midst in your midst deceive you nor listen to your to, to your dreams and and cause you to, and do not let them deceive you nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed for they prophesy falsely to you in in my name i have not sent them says the lord for thus is the Lord, after 70 years is completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good words towards you. So the plan is the good words, but it will not come to pass until 70 years. So when you are quoting, God has a plan for me. You have got to think in this. Although the plan he has for you is intact, but you have got to know that it will make you go through stuffs. It will make you go through through stuffs. So in Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine, verse eleven, God spoke here, and this is a pretty much popular scriptures. Many have quoted it out of context. They are just excited by the cream, by the promises, by the excitement in that promise, but they never understand or understood what it entails. But let's get into the context of the scripture. Let's get into the context of the scripture. This God revealing his mind. This God revealing his mind. So what was God saying? That's the point I intend to prove by the scripture. 
So let's get into the context of that scripture. And the fact is that your present condition or state of life or state of existence does not necessarily need to depict where you are going. And oftentimes, does not depict the truth of God's promises or providence for you. But that does not mean that God is a liar or that there is no hope for you actually. Do not lose hope for nothing. Lose hope but for nothing. Lose hope but for nothing. Most times when God speaks, He speaks of His capacity to perform what He says. He speaks of His ability to cause things which we are not as though they exist at the time He calls them forth. Hallelujah. So you must imbibe that culture calling forth realities even though they have not manifested but you know the reason why we become discouraged oftentimes is because we do not see them and because we do not see them we believe they are not there what what's a deception what's a deception your present state of existence will not depict what god has in store for you but that does not mean that it's not there there is there your life is intact your life is intact your life is intact your life is intact and i tell you any coward any non-future driven individual can lose hope but not you they are not you come to think of it god told the people through jeremiah for i know the thoughts that i think or that i have towards you the thought of peace and not for evil what the call for peace is captivity for 70 years but he said after this time my good will towards you we find expression but were they able to wait in fact it was so bad people were selling off their property god told jeremiah buy them because you are coming back buy them because not all over for I know the thought I have towards you, the thought of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected and a hope. An expected end and a hope. And what is that all about? What will God take them through before He comes with that expected end? He promised them they will go through 70 years of horrible, unimaginable slavery. And sometimes when you look at the processes or the process God is taking you through, you want to conclude that the end does not actually look like the process. In fact, the process and the end are words apart. It is what white is to black. No middle grounds. But if you will endure, you will have the end. So what was that expected end? And what was the process before the expected end? 70 years of slavery. Horrible. Unimaginable. But God said, look, in this, I will prosper. In fact, go to them, build houses. Marry. Do not wait. Do not post your life. So while you are expecting the promises of God 
to comfort in your life. Do what you need to do. Go to school. Get trained. Submit to mentoring. Perfect your skill. Add value to your life. Why you are expecting the doors to be open? Do other things. God said, do not post your life because uh, you are living your land. Marry there. Do everything. Pray, pray for the peace of that land. In their peace, you have peace. So the end sometimes does not commensurate with the process. And God is saying, regardless of whatever you are going through, your future is secured. So God told them, said, you will lose your dignity. You will lose your power. You will lose your landed property. You will lose your fame. You will lose your children, your spouse, your power, your influence to famine. In fact, for seven years, there have been famine in the land. You will be downtrodden. You will be enslaved for 70 years. But then I will come through. But the question is, why must they lose all they have got at first? Why? God said, I will, restore, I will restore all you have lost in 70 years. But we can ask, why must they lose it in the first place? The truth of the matter is that God, his word, his counsel, his method do not make sense. Do not make sense. What kind of a plan was that? That will take them through 70 long years of bad times. And those really bad people were selling off their property. But God said, there is hope. No matter how bleak and black the moment, there is hope. May you be made to see as God sees. May you begin to see light now. May you begin to see his thoughts towards you. However bad the times or the moment with you. May you assess his view. May you stand and see what is in. So when you read from verse 12 downwards, you will see what God said is coming upon them. You see the whole gist concerning that good and attractive prophecy of verse 11. For God to put something in our hands, he allows us to go through process. We are made by that means. And truth be told, how many of us pray to God to lend in our process time? To lend in the process it takes in making us? Or to lend in our wilderness experience? Why would we? Because we like pleasure. Because being human, we like ease. Because being humans, we, we are self-focused. Rather than being God-focused. We care for the moment. And of course, you know, pain is, is, is no sweet. It's no friend of the body. But the truth of the matter is that until what God is doing is completed in our lives, it does not release us. In other words, you cannot situate God's love for you by your current situation. You can't situate God's love for you by your current situation. Abraham was made the father of many nations. But his present life after 25 years of a diligent walk with God does not look like it. That is the circumference, that is the circumference on which you are standing today, even right now. The reason why you, you, you want to throw the toward, the reason why you are discouraged. 
And that was the reaction Gideon also got. When the angel appeared to him and said, Oh, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. He said, How can you call me a mighty man of valor? What is valid about this life that I've even come on a hideout to, to trash my, my weight? He could not connect the destiny he carried with the humiliating conditions the whole nation and even his own family was subjugated or subjected to. Of course, his family was the least and he was the least in his father's house. But yet by destiny was a man of Allah. Man of Allah. Sometimes when we look at it really, our life appears in contradiction or appears contradictory to God's promises. But I tell you, God is not a teaser. It's not a teaser. Judges chapter 6 verse 11. Judges chapter 6. Hallelujah. Let's see the state Gideon was when the angel had an encounter with him. What does he state? And what his response was? What his response was? You know, that was what happened to Mary also. When the angel said, Oh, virgin, blessed of you, of God, for you shall conceive a child. And you know, you shall be called the son of the highest. You shall, you know, take the throne of his father. He says, how shall this thing be? Sometimes when God shows you some things about your life, your reaction will be, how shall it be? Because, you know, there is no simply relationship or connection between what you are going through at the moment and what God has said about you. Judges chapter 6 verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebin tree, which was in opera, which belonged to Joash, the B Beazirite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine breast in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this happened to us? In other words, there is no relationship between God being with us and what we are experiencing. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken and de delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned and said to him, and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall have Israel, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? You know, your complaint changes nothing. See, Gideon here complaining. God said, Look, come on, keep quiet. Instead of you complaining, do something about the matter. I have made you the warrior. I have made you the deliverer. But this deliverer was in an hideout. Sometimes when God declares your future from the end point, he sees it, you without it. Verse 15. So he said to him, Oh my God, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Hallelujah. As a single man. Then they said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, show then me a sign. It is you that talk with me. For that was the beginning of our discussion. The unusual acts of God. The ability to request a sign. 
for an evidence. Moses dropped his rod before Pharaoh as an evidence of being sent and of the fact that he who sent him was with him. Elijah on Mount Carmel told the people, If the Lord be God, serve him. And let's do a contest. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. There are signs indicating what God wants to do in your life. And one of the signs is the predicament you are going through. It's part of the signs. Acts chapter 4, the apostle prayed, Lord God, stretch forth your arm, that in the name of your son, signs and wonders be done. You will not take a fist out there like Gideon did. I will not demand certain conditions for convictions, but then the death and the resurrection of Jesus is a conviction. The witness of the Holy Ghost in your spirit is a condition and certain signs that were spoken and were released to you at a particular time. Jesus said, where are the miracles? Where are the stories our father told us? What we are experiencing today does not look like, you know, you know what our father told, told us about and what you are mentioning right now before me. Gideon could not measure the destiny he carried with the humiliating circumstances around them. And these have been our discussion. Supernatural signs. Supernatural evidences. Courage. That was what I told you in the last teaching. You can do something about every situation. You can be part of God's move and you have no reason to complain. So God is telling Gideon. And that's another reason for you to bless God. You may not be where you wanted to be. You may not have all you wanted to have or all you need for the for the vision, for the mission, for the dream life, and for what you want to execute for the projects in your life. But God is with you nonetheless. And if God is with you, everything you need will be supplied. You may not have all you wanted to have, all you needed for life, but it is equally true that. You are not where you used to be. And because you are not where you used to be, is an evidence enough to show you that the future is bright. Hallelujah. And that is worth celebrating. You are moving. You are in emotion. No sorrows, no fears, no tears, no sighing. Glory to God. The future is bright. However hard the time. However the prevailing circumstances in the nation, the future is bright. And we do know it. So there are many times in our lives we look into our lives and our possible conclusions is that God had forsaken us. How pitiable, how irrational, and how emotionally imbalanced our, be, our beclouded conclusions or judgments. We want to say God is not there. If God is there, why are, are the signs not there? Why are the miracles not there? Why the delay? Why this and that? That was the complaint of Gideon also. And it's not common to you alone. It is human. Men in the Bible days also was guilty of this gesture. And the reason for Isaiah chapter 40, chapter 41, chapter 42, chapter 43, chapter 44, chapter 45. They had gone through stuff and they said, look, well, God had forsaken us. So let me show you the basis of God's defense and clarity in these chapters. And I'm going to do that by showing you just a few verses of the scriptures before i later on show you what god said about his omnipotence about the sovereignty about the supremacy 
about his active involvement in your life and respectively about his omniscient and omnipresent substance with you so when you read isaiah chapter 40 chapter 41 chapter 42 chapter 43 chapter 44 chapter 45 it is basically a divine challenge god challenging his people in that he promises them a brighter future in that he promises them a help and in that he shows the 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 inability and the weakness of the deity they have run to for safety look at isaiah chapter 40 verse 27 isaiah chapter 40 verse 27 this is the basis of the arguments and this argument is based on what is our irrational conclusions most times Isaiah chapter 14. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. God is faithful. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 7. Why says thou, O Jacob? Okay, now let's like let's speak from 25. To whom then will you like him? Oh, what shall I be equal? Says the Lord, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who has created these things and bring out their hosts by number? He called them by all by names by the greatness of his might. Mark that he called them by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, no one feel it. Why say that, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel, my way is it from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over. From my God, verse 28. Are thou not known? Are thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainted not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, increaseth might. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and a young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look at chapter 44. Verse 21 to 22. Remember this, O Jacob and Israel. For thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have brought out as thick cloud thy transgression. And as a cloud thy sins return unto me. I have redeemed thee. I have redeemed it. Let's look at verse 49. Okay, now let's look at verse 40 first before we go to verse 49. Verse 40, verse 1. Comfort it, comfort ye, my people. Say to say to your God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and unto her that our warfare is accomplished and our iniquity is pardoned. And he has received of the loss and double of our sins. So all you are going through is just momentary. They will come to pass. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. Hallelujah. Verse 16. They will bless himself in the earth, shall bless himself in the Lord. God of truth, he has spirit in the earth, 
He that sweat in the earth shall sweat by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten. And because they are hid from my eyes. He that blessed himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. That seems to appear like Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 27. He that glorieth to glorieth in me. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the Lord God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten. And because they are hid from his eyes. Isaiah chapter 49. God is faithful. You can trust him for a secure future. Verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forgotten me, and my Lord has, has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on, on the son of her womb? Yet they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy wars are continually before me. The children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Lift up thine eyes around about, and behold, all this gather themselves together and come to thee. As I live, say the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with a garment, and bind them on, on thee as a bride doeth. The emphasis is that God said, I cannot forget you. I cannot forget you. Now, let's see the last scriptures. Let's see the last scriptures. I will not be able to show the 20 things I intend showing you about principles from Isaiah chapter 40 to 45 because our time is fast spent. But let's go to the last scriptures because of time. Look at First Peter chapter 1. Let's see verse 3 to 6 first. Verse 3 to 6. First Peter chapter 1, 3 to 6. First Peter's, hallelujah. Chapter 1, 3 to 6. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and are faded not away. Receive the never for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. Now, when you look at the life of these people, it does not look like what God had revealed about them. It does not look like what we read about them. What is happening in their life currently, when Apostle Peter was writing, does not look at does not look like what God had accomplished over their lives. doesn't look like what had happened to them it does not look like the future god had planned for them look at what the scripture says they are blessed with all of god blessed be god and father of the lord jesus christ who according to his abundant mercy had begotten them into a living hope god had brought them into an eternal hope and they have an undefiled incorruptible inheritance that cannot fade away that is reserved for them in heavens but look at verse one 
through three. Verse one through two. Let's just read one and two. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He let according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. I don't know whether you get it. These people were God's elect. They were elect according to God for knowledge. They were satisfied by the Spirit. They have come under the Lordship, under the dominion of heaven. They have been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. But look at verse 1. Their temporary condition, they were scattered. They were displaced. For what? So what is the point? Separate your present facts, your present reality, your present condition from the future God had placed before you. Be focused on the position and the status and the reality God has placed before you. So separate your present state of life from your life's predicament. Separate your present state of life from God's fact and reality about your position with Him. That's how to live. They were elect according to the foreknowledge of God, but they had scattered lives. So what was the fact from that scriptures? Number one, these believers we see here were scattered strangers. Well, they, they are strangers because they have lost their own property. To war. Where was God when that war broke out? They have lost all they have labored for for years. Yet that does not negate the fact that they were elected according to the foreknowledge of God. They are blessed by God. Blessed by God's abundant mercy. They have, you know, and on the fight, a living and intact and untampered and active hope in God because of Jesus' of, of, of Jesus' resurrection. But their present state of life does not depict that. They were elected according to the foreknowledge of according to the foreknowledge of God, yet when you investigate their life, it is contrary to God's plan. And let's quickly understand what Apostle Paul was saying. Let's investigate what Apostle Peter calls divine election and foreknowledge. As the scripture reviews it here. Now, when we talk about the doctrine of election, we can find that in Romans chapter 9 to 11, where Apostle Paul explains the doctrine of election. Now, we can also talk about the doctrine of grace, which is the kindness of God, what God had given to us because of our faith in the work of Christ. In other words, the grace of God speaks of all that God gave to us without our effort. All that God gave to us because of who he is. So the grace of God is God's nature. It's the expression of God's kindness. Apostle Paul, in other words, calls it kindness or calls it God's nature. God's nature. So two things here. They are called into the grace and they are elected. And you know, of course, the father of grace is what Apostle Peter calls the foreknowledge. Elects according to the foreknowledge. What is the foreknowledge of God? 
the foreknowledge of God speaks of the purposes of God. It is also called, you know, the intentions of God before the foundations of the earth. It is the purposes of God, the foreknowledge of God. And in that foreknowledge of God, election is an inclusion. In other words, election is an excluded grace. It is grace, but it is excluded. It is preserved for a few or limited people. I'm taking so much. Just follow me. So, election is an excluded grace. It is connected to the foreknowledge of God. It is connected to God's plan before the foundation of the head. Sometimes the apostle will call it God's plan before the foundation of the head. God's provision before the foundation of the head. And you know, both grace and election, they are children of foreknowledge. They came out of God's foreknowledge. And as a matter of fact, everything we enjoy in God and about our relationship with Him came out of His foreknowledge. And His foreknowledge talk about His preconceived plans, His predetermined modules. So, election acts to do, I mean, divine election has to do with the purpose of God. Why grace? With the kindness of God, with the goodness of God. In other words, with the nature of God. Why this explanation? The scripture says that these guys says that these guys were elected. That God knew them before they existed. These guys here, we are not Gentiles. They have been engrafted into God. They were not white olive. They were not the engrafted olives. They are the true vine. They are direct link to Abraham. They were the children of Abraham. They were elected. Elected. And now they double major in that they have been saved by grace. They have now received the grace of God. Unlike their fellow counterparts or tribesmen, the Israelites, as we see them, you know, in Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, chapter 9 and verse 10, when Apostle Paul begins to grieve over them. But these guys, they were elected. They were part of God's preconceived plan before the foundation of the earth. Yet, they had scattered life. They are scattered. They were strangers. They could not point to anything as their own. Meanwhile, all of the plans and purposes of God revolves around their lives. But they cannot situate the present circumstance to what God has in store for them. I'm going somewhere. And this, this I'm running off. They were scattered. They had scattered marriage. Scattered businesses. Delayed disappointment, stagnation. I can just imagine, you know, to compile the list of their calamities, the list of their woes, the list of their griefs, the list of their pains. Yet Apostle Peter said, despite their conditions, despite their predicament, they were choosing generation. They were God's only people. They were God's priests. They were elected by the foreknowledge of God and by His grace. What is the point? What is the point? When you look at your life now, it may not appear or look radiant like the promises, like the prophecies you have received or that is over your life. Nonetheless, the future is bright. Job understood this well when he said, Although he slays me, I shall trust him. I shall trust him. So I will show you all this. We have got to understand four things about God. His purposes and intentions and counsel are intact. And they are separate from his being, from his grace, from his nature. From his goodness, from his good, from his goodwill towards us. 
and on the other hand we have got to understand that god has his delight his pleasure and you are his pleasure in his pleasure he has intentions he has plans for you in his plans you know he has his nature his will i mean to say his his goodness to be expressed over you of course that is his delight and you have got to know that this god has what he hates in the text so there are four dimensions or four four perspectives to god one is the lights his pleasures two his purposes his eternal purposes his intentions three what is it for its nature and again you have got to understand all of this against the attacks of the enemy in your soul if you understand god's integrity god's nature you will know that certain things in your life cannot be god's handiwork if you understand his eternal purpose which we call the foreknowledge of god or which you call this plan before the foundation of the earth you will know that certain things cannot find expression in your life and when you see them you know that it is not god and that is how you are you are you are strengthened to fight them and to put a stop to them god told gideon he said keep quiet go in this strength of of yours and deliver the nation stop complaining do something the future is bright So God's foreknowledge is God's plan from the foundation of the head. It's God's rationality before creation. It's called foreknowledge. It is God's motivation before the foundation of the head. Out of it, he elected the, the lineage of Abraham to be a seed through which he will express his foreknowledge. And we saw that generation after. People, in fact, in one of Jesus' uh, appearance in the synagogue, he met a woman that was the daughter of Abraham, whom the devil had afflicted for 18 years because he never knew her rights. So that your life does not actually depict what God has said or revealed about you, does not mean that God is a lie or religion is gimmick. The problem could be from you, from your indifference. So, God, in dealing with man, two things are very important and are usually demonstrated. Number one, it's restricted election god's plan in working with certain group of people at a particular time for a particular plan he has exclusively to himself according to his delight and his purpose and his counsel which he purposes in himself and secondly is the grace of god god's goodwill god's nature that had appeared that had appeared to all men and it's on this note, I tell you that your future is bright. Your future is bright. So when you read Isaiah, a Randolph, from chapter 40 to 45, there are 20 things you will see. 20 things you will see. Number one, God must be sought. Let me just give you five. God must be God, God must be sought. If he is to be found. Except you seek him, you cannot find him. Second Chronicles chapter 15. If you do not seek him, you cannot find him. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Verse 12. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their father with all their heart and with all their soul. That whatsoever would not seek God, 
the Lord God of their father, the, the, the Lord God of Israel, should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swell unto the Lord with a voice, with a loud voice, and with shouting, and with trumpet, and with cornet. And all Judah rejoice at the oath, for they are sworn with their heart, and sought him with their oath desire, and he was fond of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. So when you place your attention on the Lord to seek him, you will find rest. Now look at verse 3 to 5. Now for a long season, Israel has been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. And when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out or to him that came in. But great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the country. And the nation destroyed, and the nation was destroyed of nations, and city of city. For God was for God did verse then with all adversity. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hand be weak, for your work shall not for your work shall be rewarded. Now you know the question is that, or the matter is that when a man forsakes God, he forsakes his mercy. And adversity prevails over him. So when your life does not depict what God wants to give to you, then you have got to look at what you are doing wrong. Are there things in your life that have replaced him? And as a matter of fact, nothing must be placed before God to replace him in your life. In our lives. Idolatry is a destructive sin. And idolatry is the replacement of God with every other appealing substance whatever they are it could be money it could be relationship it could be work whatever they are anything you esteem other than god is idolatry and it, it blindfolds us of god's will of god's will of god's delight it makes all his displeasure to come upon us and never you forget the father god the father god cannot forget you God cannot forget. Let me stop here for time's sake. God cannot forget you. So there is hope. The reason why you are bothered is because you have not actually reflected on the goodness of the Lord. Think of his goodness. Think of his love. Think of his involvement in your life. You see every reason to bless him. He's faithful. He's faithful. He loves you. He's faithful. You can trust him. He's the enormous God. He's the incomparable. So you are going to say, Father, I refuse to lose hope. Help me to see from your hand. Help me to see as you see. The scripture says, God does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward. God looks on the inward. God is in most being concerned and connected and attracted. But man is captured, lured, deceived, and tied down by the things he can see in the surroundings. So you are going to pray that Father, help me to see from your light. Help me see as you see. Help me think as you think. Help me to walk with you. Really. So that I will not miss out of your plans for my life. Help me to be focused on you. Help me to be focused on your intention. Strengthen my grip on you. Strengthen my conviction. Help me so that I will not miss out of your plans. Help me however dark, however dreadful, 
however tough however praise and thanks the moment the moment is with me help me to be focused help me to be focused 